Welcome back after the summer. We're excited to be back for series two of the Healthy You podcast. We'll be chatting to a different guest each episode to find out what being healthy means to them. My name is Danny. I'm a senior active lifestyles officer at Cambridge City Council, one of the Healthy You delivery partners, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And it's a real pleasure to be talking to Chris Lee today. Chris is an army veteran personal trainer and group exercise instructor here in Cambridge. He's joining us today to not only share his love of outdoor exercise, he's also going to tell us about a six-month-long epic challenge he's taking on to raise much-needed funds and awareness for Blesma, the Limbless Veterans Charity. Okay, hi Chris. Hi Danny, you alright? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks Thanks for coming to chat to me today. No, thanks for the uh, pleasure of uh, having me along, to be honest. Um, uh, well, do you want to start off, Chris, by just introducing yourself and tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, um, yeah, where to start? Um, so, yeah, I'm a PT um, and, uh, well, I'm obviously more of a specialist in outdoor fitness. Um, I, I specialise in getting people outdoors more in a group setting. Um, I do personal training also as well in a one-to-one setting. But the main thing I do is getting people outdoors getting people um, within a group setting so that they can kind of bounce off each other, encourage each other and have that more of a community feel. So um, I do a lot of work um, with a company that I, uh, I'm part of, um, Cam's Bootcamp, uh, who also runs run down in Essex, so it's quite a, quite a big company, um, or getting bigger, I'd like to think. Um, and we, we, get, we do over 20 sessions a week in Cambridge. Um, and I just like to make sure that people are pushed mentally, physically, um, because I like we all we like to think that the only way to to exercise isn't just the body, so that's a big part of what I do, and um, that stems from um, my last career that I had, my first career, which was um, being in the army. So I was in the army for eight years, which I kind of learned to train in a very different, a very robust uh, way, so which has definitely helped me see fitness in a totally different light to what I thought when what I thought I knew before that, before when I was at school, when I used to do all different types of sports, I kind of thought fitness is one one thing. And you know, most of the time I didn't didn't enjoy part of it. But now I've realized there's a totally different way to get into fitness about enjoying it, enjoying the feeling of it and it benefiting you mentally, not just physically. So when you were at school, did you, you said you didn't enjoy all of it. Were you quite sporty? Did you consider yourself quite a sporty kid? Yeah, so I, I was, I was really, I was quite, I'm quite a hyper kid, actually. Um, so I think that one of the best ways to, to get rid of some of that energy was always to get part, take part in sports. And so when I took part in one sport, mainly football was a thing I loved. Um, but then I found out I was quite, quite good at running. So then I got urged into more athletics type thing cross-country running and at that point I really I really didn't enjoy cross-country running but I found out I, was, I wasn't too bad at it I was never never amazing but I found out I wasn't too bad at it and so I got urged along those kind of routes and I found myself towards the end of my school years playing nearly every sport possible and um, one of the most bizarre ones I thought I found myself at air playing and um, not because of the sport it is more because I'm about five foot seven and uh, I end up finding myself on a basketball team <laughs> and so yeah, I just found that found that quite bizarre. Um, but yeah, I was I was loved most most sports. But yeah, there was aspects of it. I thought I just got urged into, and someone said you were you were quite good, so go do it. And so, how what kind of took you to join join the military and join the army? Um, 
if, if I'm honest, I kind of, I'm not 100% sure. It was it, a lot of people kind of have that, that urge inside them saying, I want to do a part for my country. And that was never part of it at the time. And um, that came a lot later on when I joined. But it was mainly because I, I did have a look into things. Like I did actually want to be an accountant when I was younger. I don't know why I was good. I was good at maths. Like I thought, let's, that, that sounds great. But then as I went to college and I started doing other things, I realized that I would be shocking at sitting at a desk. Um, as I said, I was quite hyper as a child and that really, that energy didn't really go away when I was getting older. So I kind of realized that, I realized quickly that I was never, never going to cut it sat, in a, sat at a desk or in an office. So I started looking towards more jobs that I'd really enjoy in more of a physical role. And the army, the army just shone through and I thought, why not? That could be, that could be brilliant. So yeah, I joined the army and um, from there, I then started to realize it was all about a totally different thing. It wasn't just about the fact that it was a hands-on job. I did love everything that I was doing. So yeah, that's, that's what took me to do that. Brilliant. It's um, a far cry from accounting, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, it's definitely a, a little bit different. <laughs> so uh, tell us about kind of the, the, your service then. Where did the, your army role take you, if you're allowed to tell us? Yep, so I can tell you about this, definitely. So my army uh, role, I was in the Royal Engineers. So we specialise in all, all sorts of different things um, in construction, basically. Um, yeah, you've got all different trades within the uh, within the Royal Engineers. And I was a communications specialist. And so my role was to make sure the army had communications, no matter where they were deployed all over the world. Um, so, But before that, you're always trained as a soldier and someone who can do general construction. So a lot of my roles actually didn't take me away in the communication side of things. I, um, I deployed different places in the world. And my favorite one, I remember, um, for a reason that it's, it wasn't fighting, fighting a war at that time, it was to Sierra Leone during the Ebola epidemic. Um, I was one of the soldiers who went out there to build the um, Ebola treatment centers in Sierra Leone. So I was kind of, we were there helping, helping the locals, making sure they had the facilities there to, so everyone could get treatment and the epidemic could kind of change for the best in the quickest possible way, um, which has kind of came back into my life over the past couple of years, another epidemic in a very different way. Um, you probably saw all the, all the uh, soldiers in this, helping in this country build the treatment centres. So yeah, it was a, that was probably one of the better roles I, I'd done while I was away with the army. Yeah, wow. It, it, people don't really um, appreciate, well, I definitely don't appreciate the different roles I think that are involved um, in kind of overseas deployments. But what, um, so eight years in the military? Eight years in the military, yes. And then what brought you back? Um, I just decided that I was at a point in my life, I was getting a little bit older, just turned 30 now. So I left three years ago. Um, and I thought, this is the perfect time. If I am going to change what I'm going to do, um, it's probably now, if I, now is the time to change. And I was starting to get to the point where I want to do something I really loved every single day. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy being in the army, I loved the, um, the comradeship that came with it, but there was parts where I wanted to kind of build something for myself. So I decided to leave the army and that fitness was what I was going to go into. I was going to start building a business and start helping people in a totally different way. Um, and that's where I left, left the army and decided well, I know how my life is back in Newcastle, where I'm from. Um, so I thought, let's go on a little adventure. And uh, it brought me to Cambridge. And here I am three years later still. 
still here oh well, we're glad to have you here <laughs> even if we can't understand you a lot of the time <laughs> yeah well that was I think that was the first day uh, that was the first challenge I encountered here I had to slow down everything I said I to really kind of take my time because I think a lot of my sessions everyone's looking at me going I have no idea what you're saying okay. <laughs> you said something but I don't know what it is maybe they're choosing not to understand you sometimes possibly <laughs> yeah especially when that uh, when that all nasty word of uh, burpees coming yeah. out. Yeah. What? <laughs> What's that word? Um, and, and coming from a, a, did you ever get involved in like physical training in when in the military? Yes, while I was in the military, and um, probably towards the later side of my train uh, of my career in the military, I became a fitness instructor. Um, so throughout your whole military career, um, your career is based on being fit as well. So we train every day, every day of the week, Monday to Friday, and there was some form of physical exercise that we were doing a lot of it was very robust different training methods to what what a lot of people see um as a civilian um but yeah I enjoyed doing that part of it so I thought why not become an instructor um so that got me my level two um gym instructor qualification before I left the army and then I kind of got to train a lot of the uh, a lot of recruits coming through um on with their physical fitness and get them from the standard that you see every day as a civilian to what we were expecting them to have in, in the military. I, I know you, you've done a bit of work with us, Chris, before, and we, we focus a lot around beginners, trying to get beginners into activity. And when I tell people that you're an ex-military um, or PT who was in the military, people look at me a little bit terrified. Yeah. Um, but I like to think, I mean, I don't know what you were trained what you train people like in the army but I imagine your style is very different outside yeah, yeah I, I think you find that a lot of people if you tell them that first that you're a military fitness instructor um they can't yeah it does it does strike a little bit of fear into them I think all I'm gonna do is stand there shout at them make them crawl around in the mud um but that's not how it is that might have been part of what it was like in the military because like it's a we've got a you've got to train people to have that robust mental attitude as well as physical fitness in order to achieve that you've got to combine the two together and um, whereas there's a very different style of training for people out here very different end goal um so it's all about adjusting i like to think a lot of the military instructors are very good at adjusting to who they are who they are training um because you have to adjust from how you've trained before to training military military personnel so i, I feel like i can kind of really take what I've learned there and actually take the many different people I've seen coming through the military um, and how what their background was before that and train them up to what we expected. So I feel that really transfers across now to when I do different sessions right, with the, some of the initiatives I've helped on with, uh, with the council, Cambridge City Council um, and training people who are beginners, getting back to fitness and just kind of understanding what it is they've done before. Everyone's motivated, aren't they? Everyone's motivated by different things as well. Some people like being shouted at and and some people really don't. Um, But you have to find what works for them, not necessarily what what works for you. Exactly. That's that's the 100% the key to it is is unlocking what the way that person thinks and then drawing from that the way they think the best way to achieve something with that person. Get them to the end of the session thinking, you know what? I didn't think I'd do that, but I've done it. That sense of achievement right. at the end. And that's the main thing. It's just understanding the person. Yeah. And so you focus specifically on outdoors and on groups. Why those two factors? Um, we just believe that, and me personally, I believe that 
outdoor fitness is just a totally different way of training in, in a gym. The mental the mentality of it all. Everyone in the when you're in the gym, they have a set way of training. They've got a set mentality where they're on their own. And where outdoors, a change of environment can really affect your your mental state, your your happiness, your stress levels. And when you put the group side of it to the to that. And you get some of the adverse weather conditions as well that we do train through. We don't stop for anything. The sky's not falling in. We are still training. <laughs> okay. So we kind of, those combined together, you end up with this sense of community where you go, we've all done that together. And everyone's so, so really kind of, they push each other. They, they bounce off each other so that they all get to the end of the session thinking that was, that was good. We, we done that together. And you find that there's just this community that is drawn from them factors all at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not going to touch too much on COVID, but you obviously had, um, you said nothing would stop you, no adverse weather conditions. But obviously COVID did stop you in terms of training outdoors in groups, but you went online, didn't you? We did. So we went online and we got an app developed very quickly. Went online um, and done a lot of, like everyone else did, Zoom sessions, um, and we try to keep it as much boot camp style stuff as possible, encouraging people to do those boot camp sessions online outdoors. Get outdoors, get in their garden and just get outdoors for it. Get out of that room that they're spending mm. every part of the day. In. Um, but also we then thought of different ways how we can how we can go about adapting to that online lifestyle. So things like we do a session now called a run out session where you book onto it. And there's a video where your instructor will tell you to run out, run out your door, run for a certain amount of time. And then pause, we'll pop you on a video and they're where they're with you now doing a workout with you for the next five minutes. You then go for a run a little bit further, maybe another two to three minutes. We never focus on distance because everyone's different. Um, and then we work out with you a little bit longer. So we were thinking of different ways to do it. And um, we thought about waypoint workouts where we set people a target on a map where they had to go to this person, do a set exercise or group of exercise there, move to the next part. And it meant that they could get outdoors and do it. We really stuck to the main focus of what we love to do. And that was getting outdoors and not being stuck in your living room because you were allowed to get outdoors for an hour. So why not do it? Get out there for your mental health. And I think really, we had some good feedback, which really showed that everyone, it helped everyone, it benefited everyone. Yeah, no, definitely. I think everyone's appreciated being outdoors or spending time outdoors a little bit more in the last Definitely. 18 months um chris you have set yourself i i don't want to call it one challenge because it's not a absolutely massive challenge <laughs> tell yeah. it over the for the next well you you're halfway through about halfway, halfway through now through is that right yeah. tell us a little bit more about it so um i decided it, it, it's probably about a year in the making I was sat thinking, I want to do something, something big. I hadn't done anything kind of really mentally challenging since I'd left the military. I'd, I'd trained and all that kind of stuff, but I've never really pushed myself in the way. And I thought, I want, I, want, I want to still do that stuff. I want to still show that I can do that stuff to myself. But then I thought, how can I do that by helping somebody else as well? And every year I normally run the Great North Run for a charity called Blessing of the Limbless Veterans. Um, they are great in supporting uh, veterans who have, lost limbs, eyesight, and really helping them to kind of get back into everyday life that they're struggling with, maybe a little bit of respite so that they can, can bond with people again and just forget about those daily struggles. Um, and I thought, I, I love the, the thought behind that. I've been affected being in the military. I know people who have 
lost limbs. I've got friends who have lost limbs. I said who've been affected firsthand by it. So I can I see the the effects it has. Um, so it's always been something I've done for years. And then when I couldn't do the Great North Run during lockdown, um, it got cancelled. And that, I thought, right, because my first idea was I was just going to do that one event, the Great North Run. I was going to make it quite nasty. I was going to run with something heavy and raise a bit of money. But I thought everybody, everybody knows I can run. So why not make it bigger? So what I've been doing over the past three months is a six month collection of challenges. Um, I'm doing one challenge every month for six months um, to try and raise as much money as I possibly can. Um, every challenge, apart from one of them, has um, all revolves around the number 1932, which was the year the, year the charity was formed and they started helping people. And um, I thought, how can I do that? Um, so I had six challenges. My first one uh, started off with 1,932 reps of an exercise with a 30 kilogram log um, in a work, in one workout. And this log uh, features in a few of your challenges. <laughs> it features in every challenge that I'm doing. Um, and the reason, the reason it, it was a log, um, I wanted to carry something heavy um, because I wanted to kind of replicate the weight that some of the service personnel who have lost limbs carry on their shoulders every day of their lives. So I thought, what can I put on my shoulders that kind of is really heavy? I could put a rucksack on my shoulders, but nobody would notice that. It's not a very visual. So I thought this big log, this big bit of weight, everyone would look at and go, that's not pleasant. And it just kind of resonates for me that every day sometimes that weight on their shoulders is, is not pleasant. And if I can do a little bit to myself to help, then that hopefully that takes a tiny bit that way off. So that's why I went for that log. 30 kilograms is, we, I was thinking somewhere between, around 20 kilograms I was thinking. But then when I finally cut the log, um, it was 30. And I thought, well, you know what, let's just go with it. Let's roll with it. Let's push that a little bit further. Um, so the first one was that 1,932 rep challenge. Um, and yeah, that one was, it was pretty nasty. My legs didn't really work at the end of that, but I got through it. So I done, I'm trying to think of the numbers now. It was 600 chest press, 600 squats for, I think it was 400, I think it was 400, um, reverse lunges and around about 332 burpees. Lovely. Um, yeah, it was, it was particularly fun. And you, you took part in this on uh, Jesus Green, didn't you? Jesus Central Green. Cambridge. I imagine you had your, your boot camp people, your community around you, hopefully. I did, yes. There was people came out to see it. We were allowed outdoors again, so it was great to get out there, get people around. And I wanted to do somewhere quite public so that everybody could see what was going on, have a little, and raise awareness. Not only to raise money, but also to raise, raise awareness. That's why I wanted to do it some, somewhere public. Yeah. So that was the first one that kind of set it all off. Um, yep. And then we set, Then we went on to the second one, I believe it was the second one where I decided that I was going to, I wanted to climb 1,932 metres in height with my log. So I picked Mount Snowden and decided, let's get up there. How many metres can I get 1,932 metres? After I worked it out, I realised that I'd have to climb Snowden twice in one day with the log to, to hit that target, which was, it was tough. Mm. It was mentally tough i think the worst part was coming back down having to walk two hours back down to the, then the first time yeah yeah and the second time <laughs> we'll do it again and then the second time no one achieved it i still had two hours to get back down 
off that mountain with that log on my back. Um, Did you not roll it down? Oh, I was tempted to roll down myself, if I'm totally honest with you. After after I finished that, I was tempted just to roll down. Um, part of me thought, you know, there's a train there. Why not get the train down? I thought, no, absolutely not. There's no easy way out for anybody else uh, in this situation. So I'm definitely not taking the easy way out. No, and, and Snowden is notorious for its kind of changeable weather conditions. What kind of weather it did you get? Was ridiculously um, changeable. We, we set off at, I think it was 5 a.m. I, I set off because I was expecting it to take around about 10 to 12 hours to complete. Um, so we set off um at 5 a.m and i was up on the summit by just after 7 a.m so it took two hours to get to the top and it was, it was nice it was quite a nice morning on the way up it got sunny halfway up i got to the top got to the summit and i had to go up to the summit on my hands and knees because the the, the wind was just crazy uh, i was genuinely scared when i was up there on my hands and knees i was like right i'm taking a second get a picture straight back down and i imagine I, when you've got a 30 kg log on your back it's not the most stable <laughs> it's definitely not the most stable. So I thought if I stand up at any moment now, I don't know where I'm going to go. So I thought just stay on your hands and knees, get the picture, get yourself back down. And then on the way down from the summit, you can, I've got probably about 10 minutes down, 10 minutes of walking down and all of a sudden you're in beautiful sunshine again. And it was a beautiful day. Um, and it changed again on the way up the second time, got to the top, it was freezing cold. By the time I got back down at one o'clock, it was, it was about 26 degrees and, I was just like, I'm so glad I started so early because yeah. that would have been unbearable at that point. Yeah, all four seasons in one in one it, day. It was, and all the emotions to go with it as well. Did you have um, company on your Snowden trip? Yes, I had um, the guy I run the boot camps with, James. Um, he he came with me. He carried my food for me. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. You didn't want to carry the log. Well, no, he didn't. He wouldn't have to carry the log. That was an absolutely non-negotiable. Um, but so I didn't add extra weight to what was already a, a nasty bag that I had on my back and with the log on top and um, he decided he was going to carry my food for me <laughs> which I needed a lot of it on the way up yeah I bet I bet and how, how helpful was having him there I bet there was times that you were a bit self-doubting yes uh, I think on the way up the first time we kind of got we were getting up there and I, I felt quite confident got to the top of a couple hours and I was like right I'm so confident this is brilliant I'm, I'm absolutely smashing this got back down to the bottom that moment I turned around I just went all, all that confidence drained that that kind of that buzz left and the pain kicked back in and it was a case of oh my god I've got to go do that again and the pain kicked back in but and every time I'm, my legs just wanted to stop he was always there just pushing me that little bit more just saying come on just keep going you're not stopping and it is valuable having somebody around and this goes back to the group sessions that I do it's that point where if you're on your own sometimes you get the point you go I could stop for a bit longer now. I could do this. I could do that. Nobody's ever going to know. But if you have that person pushing you along that little bit extra, you you sometimes just push. And I'm quite competitive as well, so I never never want to never want to show that I'm I'm going to slow down. So at, at that point, I'm never going to never going to slow down and stop. And he was always there to kind of give me that extra nudge when he could tell I was needing it. Feed you along the way as well. Oh yeah, definitely. There was a lot of feeding me along the way. <laughs> Brilliant. So that was Snowden. That then was, challenge three we're come, where, where are we july is that so yeah yeah july so last one that was yes that was the last one how can i forget about it so i decided to go back to jesus green and i decided i was going to bear crawl um to 1932 meters just under two kilometers dragging my log behind me 
And for yeah. anyone who doesn't know what a bear crawl is, how would you explain um, it? It's kind of imagine crawling on your knees, but then your knees are no longer on the floor. You're just on your toes, your hands, pushing every step, kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of like crawling in that horizontal position, but your knees are not on the floor. Your knees are not touching down and your quads are just burning, your thighs are burning the whole way. Um, yeah, that was, that was just the feeling of that one. I thought this one's going to take me at least an hour to do. Um, so I started crawling and first 200 meters, I thought this, this isn't so bad. And then about another 20 meters after that, my legs just turned to jelly. And that was it. I was now, I was now at a point where I was just, I was crawling tree to tree, 20 meters by 20 meters, pausing for a second, composing myself, just setting myself that next step, that next movement forwards where I could get to the next the next train thought let's not think about that end goal and let's not think about that full distance let's just think about the next 20 meters and let's get there so i ended up uh, being really stubborn and pushing myself to complete in 35 minutes um to the disappointment of some of my boot campers because they turned up a little bit late to watch me and uh, ended up missing the whole thing oh no you're just too quick <laughs> yeah it, I just wanted it I wanted to get that over and done what that was there uh, yeah that one was just that one was full fully mental mentally draining rather than like the physical side you would I was drained from the start so it was yeah. just mental side that really took over on that one so what would you I mean obviously between Snowden and the 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 crawling the bear crawl challenge very very different which was harder so this, uh, I've been asked this a few times by quite a few people um, and I'm still undecided because if you'd asked me mid bear crawl, mm. I probably would have said the bear crawl, even though it was just 30, 35 minutes or whatever it was. It was, it was a point where from the start, it was just my body did not want to do it. 20 minutes at a time, you felt like you were not moving. Um, you just felt like you weren't getting anywhere and to have to, and to keep driving on when you feel like you're getting nowhere and have that mental resilience to say, you know, as long as I still put one foot in front of the other, at some point, it's inevitable. I will get there. Mm. It might take me a day, but I'll, I'll get there. Yeah, I'm not going backwards. So yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not stopping or going backwards. I will get there. Um, and that was the same thought. That was the same thought process on Snowden. Um, but it kind of set in over a longer period of time. That one took eight hours to do. So it kind of, you know, set in, in waves you kind of had these big highs and these almighty lows and you kind of thought wow I don't know if I'll get there but it was the same thought process so the whole eight hour process the fact that it was longer was really tough but yeah I, I still can't decide which one was which one was more disgusting I think, <laughs> I think it's got to be I think it would have to when, the way I, I'm going to judge it by is if somebody asked me which one I would rather do again I think I'd definitely go back to Jesus Green and Crawl because I know I could, I know I could get over and done with. In, okay. in yeah, it's going to be a tough half an hour, but it's 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 30, 30 minutes of hard work, eight hours of just go slogging away is it it takes its toll. So I'm going to say the Snowden one. Okay, yeah, it it's interesting that the process behind it, the thought process behind it. So that's yeah. only halfway through three three that, um yeah. the ones you've just said. And then August, what's August, the August challenge? It's a bit of a fun one. This one's more for my for my clients, my boot campers to kind of get involved, raise, raise awareness and a fun one rather than me just being out there on my own. Sometimes I go to Snowden. Some people don't see that process apart from on social media. So we're having a um, we're having a bar, uh, our 
barbecue that we normally have for our boot camp. Uh, boot camp is a, our community barbecue that we have, and I invited loads more people to come along. And during that barbecue, people can donate to punish me for a minute, basically. So I'm donating 1,932 uh, seconds, so that's 32 minutes and 12 seconds. So yeah, people can put a donation in there of their choosing and choose whatever exercise they want me to do for a minute. So 32 different people can donate. I'll have my log there where they can make me do burpees, make me crawl again, hopefully not for the whole 32 minutes. Um, but they can come along and do that and have, we can have a little bit of fun with it. But at the same time, there is going to be that physical and mental challenge for me because it's just going to be 32 minutes of people making me do stuff I really, really am not going to enjoy. Well, I think they get their <laughs> payback for everything that you've made them do. Yeah, I think it's just fair, if I'm honest. So that's the next one. It's a bit more of a fun one. Then moving on to September, which is only two weeks after my August one. Um, we're back to the Great North Room where it all started. Um, so this is the only one that doesn't revolve around the, the number. Um, it's quite simply because it was the first, the way this all started. So I'll be running the Great North for a half marathon back in my hometown in Newcastle. Um, and, and it'll be back in person this year, won't it? In September. Back in person. The route's slightly different, but it's still back in person around in Newcastle. Um, and it'll be with my log on my back. So hoping to get around that as quickly as I possibly can with that 30 kilogram log. Um, it's just going to be good to be up there and getting it, getting it done. It'll be, it was meant something to me because it's my 10th time running it as well. So kind of that's why I want to do something big. And that's where this whole idea stemmed from. And the Great North Run is quite hilly, isn't it? It is a quite a hilly uh, half marathon. Uh, there is parts of it. There's a, I think there's one part that's nearly a mile of steady uphill. Um, I've done it a few times to know that. I, it's around about mile four. So you're getting into things and it starts to steadily go uphill for about a mile. And uh, yeah, it, doesn't, it, gets, it gets fun from that point. So I think the route they've changed it to, they still include that. And I think it's going to be a few more hills because it's right around the city centre this time. So a few more hills are going to be in there, if I'm honest. Lovely. And it'll be probably, what, your first event back with a big crowd? It will be, yes. I'm trying to think. I don't think I, I, don't think I have done another uh, an event, a run or anything like that with a big crowd there again, especially not to that, to that capacity because I think normally there's 50, 57,000 people ran it last time. And you're talking probably about double that there watching it. So it is, it's a huge event. Um, it's a huge huge occasion um and it means a lot to me anyways so it's I, I both of them together is gonna really push for a yeah. big and big are you event. hoping for a certain time or are you just hoping to get through it um, with the log I'm always quite I'm always quite quite um competitive with myself um I'm hoping anywhere between two and a half to three hours but I think I've got to be realistic and go three hours around about the three hour mark is what I'd, what I'd like to get it done with somehow I'll get out of train as much as I can at the moment and then the final challenge we're looking at, um, walking along Hadrian's Wall from Carlisle, or just past Carlisle in the, in the west, all the way to Newcastle in the east. Um, and it's, um, it is quite a distance. I think it's just over 84 miles. Wow. 84 miles is what it is. That. And we're looking, most people do this over three or four days, um, but I'm just looking to get it done as quick as I possibly can. Um, my ideal goal would be to do it in 1,932 um, minutes, which is 32 hours um, and 12 minutes. But that looking, uh, judging by the train I'm doing, that looks it looks quite a task. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I'm going to push as hard as I can to make it happen. Um, because at the moment, it's looking as if I'll have to kind of keep going 
the whole way without a single stop for 32 hours. So Oof. it's going to be tough. And I think trying to get food in there and make sure my well-being is going to be yeah. up there. It's, it's a tough, going to be a tough one. But the main thing is getting it done, walking that 84 miles with that log. Brilliant. Oh, you don't um, make life hard for yourself, do you? I know, you're quite right. You're quite right. It all started when I, when I started doing it all and saying, I'm going to do these challenges. It started off with just the idea of each one. I'm going to bear crawl one kilometer. I'm going to go up Snowden once. I'm going to do everything once. But then when I came up with a number, I realized that everything just got twice as hard, quite literally on a lot of the things. So yeah, I didn't look back and go, why? But there's that always overriding reason of, of that why. And I just, you've just got to remind yourself of it every time. And you are, so you are fundraising for Blesma. How much, how much have you raised so far? Um, I've, oh, the number, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It's somewhere around, I think I've raised around about £2,000, just over £2,000 at the moment. Amazing. Um, I've had a lot of help from a lot of different people. A lot of people have donated while I've been doing the challenges. I've got the other people um, some of my boot campers have decided to get on board and make cakes and sell them for a donation. And they've raised a lot of money doing that as well. Brilliant. Um, I think at least £600 have came from cake making. So I think I've, I've definitely made life hard for myself. I should have just made cakes. <laughs> that sounds way more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. why, why did I do that for six months? <laughs> Chris, how do you even go about training for some of these challenges? Um, some of them you can I, I think how can I physically prepare myself in the best way and I start getting down to that kind of training so the bear crawl I wanted to think well there's only one way to really prepare yourself for bear crawl and strengthen the legs and get out bear crawling as well um, and then the other way of thinking I think about it is I just put my side sometimes I've just got to put myself for a workout where I know it's going to hurt and I'm going to have to push that mental resilience and I think a lot of that is what comes into a lot of these challenges. You can prepare yourself physically for a lot of them. You can give yourself the best opportunity. But if you haven't prepared yourself mentally, you haven't pushed yourself beyond the point you ever thought you could, you'll n- never really get to the end of some of them because there's always going to be that element of them where you think, can I do this? Am I ever going to get there? Is it going to happen? And you don't know until you do it. A lot of people ask me, have I, have I, did I ever do the bear crawl before I, before I went and done it? Did I ever, did I train on mountains before I went up Snowden twice? And the answer was no, it's something you want to do once and once, (laughs) you know, and you don't realize how hard it is mentally until you get to that moment. So you can train, I did train as much as I can walking with a lot, getting used to the weight, making sure my legs were strong enough. But then like, like I say, part of it was just making sure I get to some of the boot camps we do and get myself pushed to that that physical that physical and mental limit that it's knowing as well that you've got a really a really hard workout and that's the aim is to work yourself really hard must be must be very challenging and and I imagine um if procrastination ever kicked in it would be then before those workouts it is yes 100% you get to the start of it and you kind of go right I need to start at 10 a.m because I've got things to do and then you find yourself still looking at the workout you've planned going Mm, I'm not sure about that and then quarter past comes you're like right I've just it's time to do it just get there get in get doing it and you get to the end and go wow I don't even know what that was about and you get to the end and I always find myself once I'm in that workout I always add more things in for myself I go let's do a little bit more let's push that a little bit more and that's the parts that really kind of I found that mental resilience building and that's what counts isn't it when you're when you're up on top of Snowden and at risk of getting blown off the top it is, that's yeah. when that training kicks in 
it is definitely and that's yeah that's when it that's when it comes to the forefront and that's something you can train as much as you can for but it's that's when you realize that you've you've done it right because you yeah you react in the correct way you react in a way where you you think i'm just going to keep pushing forwards one step at a time i will get there <laughs> it's it's amazing it's absolutely amazing that it's not just one challenge or two or three but six different challenges in six months that, that's quite you know a, a long stretch of time to be really dedicated and, and really pushing yourself hard for physically and mentally is that has there been times where you've regretted <laughs> um I wouldn't say I've ever regretted it I've, I've there's been a lot of the times I've kind of questioned whose idea was this well, I think the answer was always my my idea. Um, and I think, why why did I do it? What on earth are you doing this for? Why didn't you just do one one challenge? You know, one pick one of them and do one of them. And it was just that point where I thought, there's a lot of people out there raising money for many good causes. And I've kind of got to look and go, why me? Why should people donate that hard earned money, especially in a time that we're in, where people are, are losing work, have suffered quite a lot over the past couple of years with financially. Why, why, do they, why should they give any money to me to help a charity or help out someone else when they're, when they're kind of going through a bit of hardship for themselves? So I thought if, if, I've got, if I'm going to give them a reason, it's got to be a good reason. So I thought one would not suffice. Let's give them a good reason to, to show how willing I am. I think that was a big part of it was to show how willing I am, how much I want to make a difference. Because if I don't show that, then why should they donate? Brilliant. Um, and if people do want to donate to your to the cause, how how can they find out about it? So Where if can they want to donate to it, um, they can find um, a lot of what I'm doing on my social media um, on Instagram or Facebook. It's Chris Lee PT and Body Coach. Um, but if you want to get straight to it, donating, having a look at the story, it's all on Just Giving. I try to update it as poss- much as I possibly can. Um, but you can donate on Just Giving. It's um, www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash chris lee 1932 brilliant the magic number the magic number it's got to be on there and everything that's donated goes to this amazing charity and it would be massively appreciated their story of what they do is on there as well and um, so it's, it's not just about the donations about it's about getting people to realize what an amazing thing this charity does Thanks, Chris. We ask all of our guests um, the same question on, on this podcast, and it's what, what does being healthy mean to you? Um, to me, it's, it, I think being healthy is a very broad term. Um, but to me, um, I feel being healthy is that, that thing where you can go out and enjoy every single day to the, to the extent you want, be comfortable mentally, physically, and kind of get the most out of your life in the way that you want. That doesn't mean having, you know, having those six pack abs, those, you know, being able to run marathons, climb mountains, all that kind of stuff. Can you go out? Can you enjoy your time with your, your kids, your grandkids? Can you play with them in the park and enjoy it rather than being out of breath? Can you know that kind of thing? Can you push yourself every now and again in a situation where you feel uncomfortable and come out the other side enjoying it and feeling good about yourself? To me, that's what being healthy is about. Um, it's everything combined so that it affects you every day that you live and puts you in the best position to kind of really enjoy it because after all that's what life's about isn't it enjoying enjoying every bit of it with everybody around you and your 30 kilo log I'm a 30 kilo log (laughs) 
I've been told needs a name. Um, <laughs> so if there's any names anyone wants to get in touch and give me a name for it, I'm, I'm open to all suggestions. I've had things like Loggy McLogface. <laughs> so I'm still undecided. Wilson was in there. But yes, that log's going to be with me. It's going to be a part, of a part of my family for a long time now, I think. I think the perfect name might come to you around mile four of the Great North Run. I think it might. And I don't know if it's going to be a pleasant one at that point. <laughs> Lovely, Chris. Well, thanks for taking the time to, to chat to me and all the very best with the, the remaining challenges. I can't wait to see how you get on. Yeah, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure just to get on and kind of talk about everything and really share with every, from what, everyone what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, thank you. I can't wait for the next next three. They're going to come around quicker than I, quicker than I can imagine. And uh, yeah, I, I'll enjoy them once they're done, no doubt. But I'm, I'm sure I will enjoy them. When you look back on the ones you've done so far, do you what do you remember? Do you remember the pain, or do you remember getting to the top of Snowden, or, or finishing? Or I think I remember little snippets of a feeling of the pain. But the main thing I remember is that that outcome, that end point where I go, that I've done it. I've done that one. I've done that and I look back at the the challenge itself the name of the challenge or what it was the description go I done that did that I, I actually did I do that why that's crazy so yeah it's quite nice to kind of get to the end and that thought and that feeling at the end is always always the best part of it and the support that I got every time brilliant lovely thanks Chris all the best If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. And of course, tell your friends. Healthy You is a free service to support Cambridgeshire and Peterborough residents to improve their health and well-being. The service is funded by Cambridgeshire County Council and Peterborough City Council and is 100% free. To find out more about how the service can support you, visit healthyyou.org.uk.